welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. Thank you for joining us for the weekly podcast from the First Lutheran Church of Miles City. This is Blaine Watts from the congregation, and I just wanted to give you an update that this past week, Pastor Rice delivered a brilliant and great sermon, and unfortunately, the guy that's in charge of recording the podcasts had a technical difficulty and was unable to get the audio um, transferred over and uploaded to the podcast. That would be me. So I am going to try to do that sermon justice. I asked Pastor Rice for a copy of his manuscript, and I am going to read it again. And like I said, this is in his words, and and I hope you can appreciate it. So just a quick update prior to getting started. I want to let everybody know we did finally receive the official affiliation letter from the North American Lutheran Church this past week. And if you want to find more information about that, you can check out our website, flcmilecity.com. That's FLC as in First Lutheran Church, milecity.com. And there's some information up there. Um, There's also some information being passed about a celebration that will take place this coming Sunday, March 3rd, as we celebrate and, and welcome that affiliation with the North American Lutheran Church. And I hope you can join us for church services at 10 a.m., followed by a Mardi Gras-type celebration that will kick off shortly after the church service. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, read. First off, I'll start with the gospel lesson and then on to the sermon. I, uh, Like I said, I'm not quite as uh, blessed to have the... Uh, the gift of sharing that Pastor Rice does and, and the, the experience of that smooth flow. So bear with me, uh, but I hope I can get the message shared. So we'll start with the gospel lesson, and that will come to us today from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. 
Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Here ends the reading. And the good news is, it won't be as snowy as it was last Sunday. Although much of the western part of the state will get a foot or more of reminder that winter is still with us. Last week after church, I cleared the driveway of several inches of snow. I took a short nap and then I watched some TV and then some more snow. Specifically, I watched a 2016 movie titled Hacksaw Ridge. If you're not familiar with the storyline, the movie is based upon the real life accounts of one Desmond Doss. Desmond was a conscientious objector during World War II at a time when such a position was as rare as it was misunderstood. After Pearl Harbor, anyone not wanting to fight or destroy the enemy was more than suspect. Men were thought cowards or traitors in those tumultuous days after the attack. In the film's opening scenes, the viewer is introduced to Doss's pre-war life and particularly his father, a deeply disturbed man following his own combat experiences of World War I. Doss's father was a case study in what today would be recognized as PTSD and most recently war's moral injury. Because of Desmond's Seventh-day Adventist beliefs, Following Pearl Harbor, the idealistic young man wanted to serve but refused to bear arms, even upon enlisting in the army. The whole storyline unfolds from there. After extraordinary effort, Doss was allowed to serve as combat medic. Much of the story takes place during combat on the Japanese-held island of Okinawa atop a ridge known as the Hacksaw. At length, witnessing Doss's personal courage under fire and devotion to the wounded, the young, lanky medic earned the acceptance and then admiration of the soldiers he suffered to save. Doss became the nation's first conscientious subjector to re- be awarded the Medal of Honor for conspicuous bravery. Near the end of the story, As a badly mauled unit prepared to return to the killing field that was Hacksaw Ridge, a rare consideration was granted Doss by his commanding officer. The unit would not advance that Sabbath day until after Doss had time to pray. In what for was the most telling words in the story, one officer observed to a by then himself wounded Doss the following. Most of these men don't believe the same way you do, but they believe so much in how much you believe. Those words illuminated the fact that while Doss was a medic, he had become the unit's unappointed spiritual leader. Although not everyone shared Doss's particular perspective on Christianity, Doss' embodiment of what he believed moved others. The medic represented the holy among 
so many dispirited men required to do what witness so many unholy things. Doss's spiritual presence was outside the assigned duties of the medic, but were an essential part of the man himself, who became a symbol of the sacred to others. Most of these men don't believe the same way you do, but they believe so much in how much you believe. They believe so much in how much he believed. Have you ever encountered anyone who believes so much in how much you believe? Have you ever believed in how much another person believed? A grandparent, a parent, a pastor, or a priest? Maybe a co-worker? Is there, or can there be such a thing as vicarious faith? I don't know. Can it be that there are those who are spiritually wounded or at a point in life such as spiritual blank slate that they only approach God through their esteem of those who deem closer to God? Here my mind goes to Peter. Recall Peter's words in response to the first miracle he witnessed. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Not yet considering Jesus as the Messiah, Peter nevertheless knew that he was in the presence of the holy and righteous man. I don't know, but given my life experience with law enforcement and correction officials, and as a chaplain to veterans, more so than a parish pastor, over the past 45 years, I am given to ask that question. In such settings, I have not infrequently experienced those who believe in how much I believed, as they saw things, for more than they were able to be given expression to their own faith. It has always been to me as heavy a weight as it has been at times embarrassing. This led me to question what obligation rests upon all Christians, as Jesus seems to lay it out in today's lesson, to become more available to those who struggle to believe. They are watching you. Are we the ones Jesus was speaking to when he said, but I say to you that listen, and followed with instructive words, perhaps. Love your enemies, do good, do not withhold, do unto others. These are different words, to be sure. But not, but might they be in part the means through which the Holy Spirit has chosen to reach those yet accept the acceptance offered in the gospel? Believing in how much you believe, might that be the first step? Might it help explain how and why the early church quickly identified those men and women of faith who now call saints, what seeing their witness others might be encouraged, even drawn closer to those one they so loved, perhaps? In the chaplain world, there is a thing called spiritual presence. Spiritual presence is recognized utilization of a chaplain's time during which the chaplain may say little, do less, but simply stand forth as a symbol and reminder of that which is holy.
Was this what Jesus was preparing the disciples for when he called upon those who would, perhaps could, listen? In a time when an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth had been considered remarkable, that is God's words, limited retribution by the strong upon the weak, was Jesus taking righteousness and even justice to some new height. I think Jesus' final words today are instructive. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. As you live your life, know that there are those who likely look upon you and infer things about God based upon what they see and hear from you. You must be forgiving if God is to be seen as forgiving. You must be just if God is to be seen as just. You must love if God is to be seen as loving. How you act, how you speak, how you live. There are those around you who don't believe the same way you do, but they believe so much in how much you believe that it becomes incumbent upon all to pray for those the particular grace to live lives worthy of such a holy calling, grace to repent of their own shortcomings, receive the word and sacrament of salvation, and place trust and hope in the righteousness won by those name Christians are called. We are called to be merciful and merciless in a merciless world. World War II in every war is the distillation of just how merciless the world in reality can be. Thanks be to God that into such a world entered one who could save the world from itself. That one the church proclaims to be Jesus Christ. For he chose the church, that is, he chose you to be means by which good news would be made known to the poor. John 15 reminds us all, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. In words, by deeds, and now through your presence among those who believe in how much you believe, you must go. A heavy burden that perhaps even a cross, yes, almost certainly a cross, bear it well, bear it well. For the measure you give, we believe to be the measure you will get back. Amen. Once again, that was the sermon delivered by Pastor Stephen D. Rice, read by congregation member Blaine Watts. Thank you again for joining, and we'll see you on Sunday. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 KL Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.